This is News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And this is Atlanta. The food, the wine, the entertainment, the lifestyle. This is Melinda Skelton's Atlanta Living. Sponsored by Granite Transformations. Done in a day. Beautiful for life. And welcome back to Atlanta Living. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. We are broadcasting live from the Ragsdale Heating, Air, and Plumbing Salute America Air Show. And people are starting to come in, mill around. I think the actual air show starts in about an hour. It is at the Silver Comet Field off Thornton Road. Very easy to get to. Parking is a breeze, so come out. You have time to get here. You can peruse all day. And uh, there's also a night portion to this show. But I bet you didn't know that coming up next week is Craft Brew Week. So, of course, we have to celebrate that and have someone on to talk about that. We have Andy Sparhawk. He is craft brew coordinator for this week and Andy I believe we spoke to you about this last year so welcome to the show thank you Belinda yep I remember uh, thank you for having me on again yes so craft brew has just exploded in this country and uh, I don't know about other cities but the Atlanta area alone has added I think nine craft breweries in the metro area alone just this past year. Right, and from the last years when we talked, I would say that this craft beer movement has all but accelerated. Uh, you mentioned the number that have opened up in your city. We as the National Association track that a brewery opens up in the United States every 16 hours. Uh, Are you serious? So it's Atlanta is an amazing place to have a beer, but it's happening all over the country. So what are some of the things, um, are you privy to some of the uh, festivals or activities that will be going on in Atlanta for Craft Brew Week? Yep, uh, craftbeer.com is the official calendar for American Craft Beer Week. Uh, just go there and, and hit Georgia and, and you can even push down into Atlanta. Uh, some of the great uh, events going on, Obviously, the amazing Brick Store Pub is having a Sour and Wild Beer event on May 12th and 13th. Uh, and then uh, on the 16th, there's actually a, a craft beer festival in Brownwood Park. Oh, excellent. And I have my nephew is in town and uh, from out of town and visiting several of the craft breweries that we have and taking a tour. And they're just phenomenal. And it was hard to narrow down which ones to actually visit today because there were so many choices. Definitely, and America remains, remains one of the best places in the world to enjoy a beer because of that variety and choice. Uh, over 3,400 small and independent craft breweries in the country, and like I said, they just keep growing and opening up every day. Okay, you wrote an article that I found. <laughs> And I had to print it out because it's titled Hipsters and Hopheads and Beer Snobs, Oh My. So there seems to be a little bit of a clash because uh, people feel like hipsters are taking over the craft brew world. But isn't that what craft brew was built on? Is it, It's kind of the counterculture world? Absolutely. And I said that in, in the article that... 
You know, there's always going to be someone who thought they knew about craft beer before the rest of us, and they want yeah. to make sure that everybody knows. And what, what Clash is, is that, you know, craft beer is meant to be enjoyed. It's a social beverage. Everybody loves to have it. And you don't want to enjoy your beer or try to enjoy a beer that you'd like. We all have personal palates. When someone else is saying that their beer or the beer that they like to drink is better than theirs. And my mm-hmm. point was is that, you know, while this is just a, a sliver of the of the craft beer movement, these are the loudest people and I think the general public have now found that craft beer maybe not as approachable as it used to be because of these individuals. We need to take a step back and we need to uh, you know, invite in the uninitiated to uh, to enjoy this beverage instead of uh, making it seem like you're the one that discovered craft beer. Right, right, right. Folks, if you have a question, give us a call, 404-872-0750. That's 404-872-0750. We're speaking with Andy Sparhawk, craft, uh, craft Beer Program Coordinator. Um, and this is coming up this next week, Craft uh, American Craft Beer Week. So if you have questions about how to get started in brewing your own beer or how to pick your favorite beer, maybe you'd like to um, switch it up a little bit, give us a call. I, I know that um, I'm really, Andy, starting to lean toward uh, beers that have a little hint of uh, fruit in them. And uh, what was, what I'm drawing a blank, what was the beer that you first served with a, a little slice of um, orange? Uh, uh, the Belgian whip beers uh, generally are garnished with, uh, with a slice of orange, uh, and then that kind of was inspired by a German Hefeweizen uh, that normally is added uh, a slice of, of lemon. Um, and so it just adds to that already fruity character that, that uh, resides basically from the yeast is where you're getting those fruity flavors and then mm-hmm. bolster it by uh, a nice uh, visually aesthetic uh, garnishment like an orange slice. Right, right, right. And so this is something that's totally new. I mean, you would have thought that no one would be putting a slice of fruit in their beer 10 years ago. That would be just sacrilegious. Yeah, we're definitely, you know, breaking out of the tradition. And that's what American craft brewers are known for. They're they're innovative. They certainly uh, have a reverence for the world traditional brewing uh, practices. Uh, but there really was no traditions in, in America. And so these, uh, you know, men and women uh, kind of broke the mold and, and started doing what they wanted. And fruit and beer goes, goes amazing together. Okay, so uh, I just got a text that my nephew's at uh, Orpheus, uh, one of the new brew pubs in uh, Midtown Atlanta. He said lots of sour beers, so uh, they better save me a few when I get off the air. So when you talk about going to beer tastings, what is it tasting like a wine tasting? What is the proper way to taste beer? Do, do you get a do you do the sniff, the nose, the the palate? I you do, and really the first thing that you do, you know, just like wine, but beer has a little bit more components to it, is looking at it. Uh, obviously, you're going to check out the color of the beer itself. But you also want to recognize that, that 
that foamy cap on there. And if it's, it's nice and frothy and, and thick, um, that's usually going to tell you that that's a well-carbonated, uh, well-made beer. Uh, once you get done with uh, admiring it, uh, yeah, take a sniff, just like any, any wine, maybe swirl a little bit to, to kind of break up those volatile uh, aromas. Um, take, a, take a thought of that and then take a sip. Um, and what you'll realize is that sometimes those aromas that you got uh, from smelling it are different from when you taste it. But remember that, uh, you know, most of what you're tasting is actually uh, retronasal. You're smelling it through the back of your, your mouth. Um, and that's the majority of the flavor that you get in the beer. Kind of got too geeky on that. But, you know, <laughs> wine and, and beer tastings are very, very similar. Uh, and, and a lot of the flavors can be similar, too. Beer also has that bitter component and obviously the malt character as well. Well, you, you talked about pouring the beer and the foam on top and it having a good thick foam. I, I was with the understanding that I thought the less foam, the better, as I was trying to pour the beer. You definitely want to hit a balance. You certainly don't want to pour aggressively enough that you're foaming over. Uh, but generally, uh, you know, you want about a inch foam a cap on your beer. And if you can keep that foam cap all the way through your, 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 most of your drinking, um, that's a great beer. Also, that foam is protecting the, the air outside, you know, keeping things from, uh, you know, falling in it. Uh, so uh, definitely at least want a one-inch cap of foam is what the beer experts say for it. But certainly don't want a flat beer, and you kind of want that, that foamy cap. Okay, so beer snobs, do they prefer cans or bottles? I think, uh, you know, that really depends on the, uh, the specific beer snob. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of people that uh, enjoy cans for, you know, its ability to take to the beach or to take camping. Uh, mm -hmm. But for the most part, we really don't see a difference between uh, beer in a bottle or a can being that much better than the other. And if a, if you buy a, uh, a six-pack of beer in a store and it's cooled and then it becomes um, warm and you chill it down again, have you ruined anything in the complexities of that beer at all? Anytime there's a temperature change in beer, uh, you're going to kind of speed up that, uh, you know, that process of deterioration. Beer, think of beer like a great artisan bread. Generally speaking, you want to drink all beers as fresh as possible. And that temperature uh, movement will be uh, slight as long as you can get it from a cold spot. Obviously, it warms up a little bit in the car. Get into the refrigerator as much as possible. Store your beer in the refrigerator. Don't leave it in your hot garage and expect oh. it to taste the same. Um, definitely keeping beer cold is a, a big, uh, important part of enjoying craft beer. Mm, I already have one case of faux pas that's going to have to be poured down the drain. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're speaking with Andy Sparhawk. We're speaking about the Craft Beer Week coming up next week. You're listening to Atlanta Living, broadcasting live from the Ragsdale Heating, Air, and Plumbing Salute America Air Show. We'll be back right after this.
Thanks, Scott. This is Belinda Skelton with Atlanta Living, and we are broadcasting live from the Ragsdale Heating and Air uh, Salute America Air Show, and we are broadcasting live from the Silver Comet Field off of Thornton Road, and we are speaking with Andy Sporhawk. At Sparhawk, and we are talking about craft brew beers because next week is American Craft Brew Week. So, um, Andy, I want you to uh, help me answer this question from Antonio from Dallas. Antonio, you're on WSV. How are you today? Great, thank you. How are you doing good? today? Good. Good. What's your question? Well, I'm from the Boston area originally, and uh, my first type of craft beer has been uh, Sam Adams and Hot Boom Beer. The only light beer that I found that actually tastes good and not water so far has been like Sam Adams Light. I was wondering if you guys could recommend a good quality light beer because every time I try to look for light beer as far as craft beer, you really can't find any. I was wondering if there's any recommendations as far as it still tastes good and not watered down. Sure. I think uh, over the past maybe five to ten years, uh, craft brewers have really gotten a lot better at uh, having the ability to make amazing uh, pale lagers, which is what you're talking about. Yep. Um, and I would say this year uh, or this summer, probably the, the beer of choice is going to be a, an amazing craft-style lager, uh, like a Pilsner. Um, oh. Not sure what you necessarily get out uh, where you're at. Uh, my thought would be, you know, at least where I'm at, I can get a, a Nomad Pilsner from Great Divide or from California, Firestone Walker's Pivo Pilsner. Uh, great light, a light colored and light on body beer uh, with a lot of flavor, and that's really the cool thing that the craft brewers have been able to do is not sacrificing the flavor to have a light beer. Great, thank you. All right, sure. thanks for your call. Thank and you. what is the alcohol content of craft brew beers? Does that does that change? It it ranges. Uh, you know, you can have any, anywhere from a, a 3% Berliner Weiss uh, to, boy, he mentioned Sam Adams. And Sam Adams makes a beer that is 30% alcohol, and, and that's definitely in the minority. Generally speaking, the average craft beer is around 55 to 6% alcohol by volume. Okay. Thank you so much, Andy, and everybody get out there. Enjoy American Craft Beer Week next week. We've been broadcasting live from the American uh, Air Show here at the Silver Comet Field off Thornton Road. Next, coming up, I have Greek Week at Kima, followed by Breaking Chews. Stay tuned. You're listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. This is News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And this is Atlanta. The food, the wine, the entertainment, the lifestyle. This is Belinda Skelton's Atlanta Living. Sponsored by Vane Innovations. us for Atlanta Living. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. Well, everyone says the Mediterranean diet is the healthiest diet. Well, you can eat some great Mediterranean Greek food and help a great cause on May the 14th. And here to talk about that is Pano Karatosis. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you, Pano? I'm doing great. Well, you have a great 
event coming up. Well, for the first time ever, we are shutting down the restaurant completely and reopening it up for a private event. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're calling it the Celebration of Greece, food, wine, and music. Of course, I'll be doing the food with my great staff and team. You're not doing the music? No, I haven't been working on any of my okay. instruments or my songs. And No. But what we do have is we have this young band. It's a five-piece band from Greece. They're doing a tour in the U.S., and we were able to get them for this event. We're the only southern state or city that's going to have this band come uh, over to their venue and uh, and play their beautiful music. They're very innovative. They're young. It's it's not going to be the traditional right. style Greek music, so I'm excited myself just to hear what they're going to sound like. This is going to be a total night of immersion into Greece. Yes. I mean, we're going to start off with uh, past hors d'oeuvres out on the front of the uh, restaurant. We're actually going to tent the entire front parking lot. I'm going to have lambs roasting on the spit. Oh, my gosh. Uh, We're going to have our specialty cocktails and drinks. Our servers are going to be out there taking care of you uh, from the time you walk in till the time you leave. Uh, It's going to be a beautiful event outside. Pass hors d'oeuvres, like I said, about five or six. And then you're going to come into the restaurant. We're going to have candles and flowers and a beautiful table arrangements around this five-piece band. Wow. So this is to benefit the March of Dimes. And what a worthy charity it is. It's called Dining Out. And I can't believe the price, honestly. Yes. 200 bucks for a five-course dinner with... Greek wine pairings. Now tell us about the Greek wine pairings because this is something special unto itself. Yes, uh, Sophia Peppera is one of the top 10 women in wine and she was rated this way by Wine Spectator magazine and she's been with Kima from Athens, Greece, designing our menu with our general manager, Nicholas Sassounis. And she's going to be bringing with her some incredible wines, uh, two to three winemakers from Greece. And the Greek wines will be represented in a way that probably doesn't happen too often in the country at all. And it's going to be happening at Kima. Now, Pano, I don't know if I've ever tasted... A, a Greek wine. Um, what would I notice the biggest difference in a in a wine from Greece than what I drink? Not every day, but you know, a, a everyday wine. Well, the the way I describe it is that you know we're always looking for something new. You know, the new ingredient. Uh, maybe you haven't tried. Uh, fiddlehead ferns or ramps or or even something as simple as a fava bean and they're coming into season now and so restaurants are always trying to um, pique everyone's curiosities we've all had chardonnay we've Mm -hmm. all had pinot grigio merlot cabernet sauvignon and we've had them forever so the greek wines to me give everyone a chance to try something new and these grapes are incredible. They're they're ancient. They've been producing wines for Greece for over four thousand years, and it's documented. 
and they're incredible. And the thing about these grapes and the reason why not everybody's familiar with them is because Greece has kind of held on to them to their own. And they haven't really been exporting them. And um, are they now they sweeter? are. sweeter? Or do they have a different flavor profile? So the uh, what I love about the whites is they're very minerally and they have a little acidity. So like if I'm doing a simple dish like fried calamari with quinoa salad and I want a wine that's going to sort of go along and finish the dish, there's nothing better than some of the Greek wines that I've been serving over at Kima for the past 14 years. They actually have that kind of a quality. Um, when it comes to the reds, there are some that are very friendly with fish, and then there are those that go really well with your, with your meats. So it's, a, it's amazing what these Greek wines have to offer. So the Mediterranean diet, as I mentioned earlier, um, has been heralded as the healthiest diet to follow or way of life, way to eat. And the Greeks, you know, that's, their, that's how they eat uh, every day, just olives, olive oil, fresh fish. Tell us about it. And I'm sure that your menu is just right out of that. It, it, it truly is. And um, walking around the dining room and meeting some of the Greek clientele that we have and hearing stories of their mother that is 105 years old and they're going to go visit them. Uh, in Greece over the summer is uh, is amazing to me, and I'm a, I've been fascinated so much that I've constantly asked, well, what are they eating? What are their habits? What do they do? And uh, incorporate that into the menu. So, you know, what is it? What's the big secret? It's 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 lots of grains and nuts, and salads, fresh fruits, vegetables, and then it's 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 seafood. It's it's fish, maybe uh, once or twice a week, and it's red meat maybe once a month really and so this is a very sort of vegan vegetarian shellfish seafood first cuisine and then it's a cuisine that is not big on butter more so on olive oil Mm -hmm. plenty of acidity whether it's red wine vinegar or lemon juice or any of the other citrus and it's just something that incorporates wine, and um, it's a lifestyle. So it's also about the taking care of yourself and getting your rest and um, drinking plenty of water. So it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful cuisine. It's a beautiful culture. Um, it is something that I've been incorporating at Kima for all the years that I've been at the restaurant. And uh, with my strong French cooking background, it's shocking to even consider that I don't use heavy cream right. and butter in my dishes. Because that kind of dishes. is the opposite of Mediterranean with the heavy creams and the butters. Yeah, doesn't exist at Kima. I mean, you know, you'll get, you'll start to see, you know, that used in some of the desserts or the ice creams. But um, in in the dishes that we do, maybe one or two out of the the thirty that we have on the menu. So Kima is part of the Buckhead Life Group, and you're part of the Caratasis uh, family. Your family has several of the restaurants, but your background is Greek. Why Why you, the chosen one, Pano, uh, opened the Greek restaurant? Well, you know, Dad's brought many concepts to Atlanta, and each one has sort of 
broaden the repertoire for oh, Atl- for Atlantans. And so Greek was one that really needed to happen. And uh, at the time, I was uh, cooking at the French Laundry in Napa Valley, and he called me up and uh, asked me if I wanted to come back home and be the chef. So what does it feel like to be part of this culture now, um, not just in Atlanta, across the the world where chefs are looked at as uh, celebrity rock star status? Well, you know, come and find out on May 14th because we're going to be celebrating everything on that evening. And, um, you know, like I said before, it's going to be the food, it's going to be the wine, and it's going to be the music. And it's a culmination of everything that I've worked on as a chef uh, with food. It's everything that Sophia Peppera and our general manager, Nicholas Asunas, have been working on with wines. And then we're going to have this innovative band come that is playing very modern Greek music. And I'm going to find out firsthand what that's all about. So it's, it's you know, for me, cooking Greek food, uh, being in a Greek restaurant, uh, Plenty of seafood at Kima, of course, is something that I can't stop being excited about and will continue to be so for a very long time. Can't wait to make my reservations because I've got to try the Greek wine. So $200 a person, that includes tax and gratuity. Reservations are required. Call Kima at 404-262-0702. And once again, this is to benefit the March of Dimes dining out. And so this is a wonderful event. And you are located um, right in the middle of Buckhead. Very convenient on Piedmont Road. Plenty of parking. Yes. I always tell everybody next to the Buckhead Diner if you don't know where Kima is. <laughs> but um, yeah, in, in the, the 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 meal is going to be a five course tasting, and uh, it's truly a hundred and fifty dollars a person if you go backwards plus tax and, and gratuity. So for that, I mean, it's an amazing five course meal, five course wine pairing, hundred and fifty dollars. Um, all of it, you know, benefiting a portion to March of Dimes, and um, we couldn't be happier and more excited to do it. A celebration of Greece, May the 14th at Kima. Please, dining out for March of Dimes, make your reservation. Call right now, 404-262-0702. Pano, thank you so much. Thank you. Folks, you've been listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Hey, welcome back, y'all, to Atlanta Living. It is time for Breaking Chews. Now, this is our weekly check-in on up-to-the-minute breaking news about local restaurants, chefs, festivals. I'm here with my favorite foodie correspondent, David Danzig, of the website BitesAndSites.net, and also food writer for Atlanta Social Season Magazine, and, of course, BelindaSkelton.com. So, David... You've been trying some Brazilian steakhouse. Have you, you have you done the Brazilian steakhouse experience? Yes, I have. Okay. So this is, for those of you who have not done a true Brazilian steakhouse experience, I say it is time to put the green side up. Which uh, took me a while to learn how to turn it over. Right. So for, for those of you not in the know, at a Brazilian steakhouse, they give you a, 
a two-sided disc when you sit down at your table. One side is green, the other side is red. And the green side up means that the waiters will continue to bring you meat until you flip it over to the red side. Mm-hmm. I but must some, have not paid attention. Sometimes to that you part. forget to flip it over, and it's <laughs> like the meat just keeps coming. But I wanted to tell you about a new place that just opened in Buckhead. It's at Tower Place, and it's called Chama Gaucha. Chama means flame. Gaucha is a Brazilian cowboy. This is a place that has locations in San Antonio, Houston, Chicago. So it's it's got a good pedigree, and this is one of the best executions of the Brazilian steakhouse I've tried and I've tried them in mm-hmm. Rio. So before I get to the meat, I want to make you know make sure everybody knows there's a few other requirements of a Brazilian steakhouse, at least in my Don't book. Don't you dare talk about the salad bar. Uh, well, the first and foremost thing about a Brazilian steakhouse is that the salad bar oh. has to be transcendent. It has to be awe-inspiring. And Chama Gaucha has a breathtaking salad bar. <laughs> I mean, it is cold salads, marinated mushrooms, fresh vegetables. They have cured meat. They have salmon. It is the most beautifully, immaculately presented uh, experience, right, of a salad bar. And the whole idea is maybe to test your willpower so you won't eat as much right. steak. Chamagacha has a gorgeous uh, um, uh, salad bar. They also do a beautiful job with the pau de queijo, which is this cheese bread. It's this puffy oh, cheese wow. bread made with Parmesan. So there's a lot of temptation there. But once you get past that, it is time for your green side to go up. Let the meats come. The The guys are dressed up as these Brazilian cowboys. And then they come and they've got prime rib and they have uh, steak and and filet wrapped in bacon and lamb and shrimp. And they come on with these, uh, they're on a spike and you pull it off with your Mm -hmm. tongs. So I really enjoyed Chama Gaucha. It's it's in um, uh, Buckhead at the Tower Place. It's a traditional Brazilian churrascaria. That's Brazilian for steakhouse. And it's a beautiful space. They've got a nice outdoor patio right there overlooking uh, Piedmont Road. So try Chama Gaucha, I got good pictures up on your website. Go hungry. Yes, yes, save up. <laughs> so where can we find you during the week? Bitesinsights.net and follow me on Instagram and Twitter because then you'll really know where I'm chowing down. And all of this and beautiful pictures are up on BelindaSkelton.com. So David, we'll look for you next week. Thanks See you so next much. Week. Folks, you've been listening to Atlanta Living only on News 955 and AM 750 WSB. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.